This is episode eight of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Welcome. I hope you're doing well today, friends. I'm excited to share this interview with the gracious and talented Glenna Marshall. She's a writer, musician, and mama of two. We talk about hospitality and the importance of opening our homes to others. She also shares a little bit about her recently released album titled Hold Me Fast, which is a lovely collection of songs she has written. I even have a little clip of her title track to play for you at the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy our conversation. This show is supported by Adopt Together, the world's largest nonprofit crowdfunding platform for adoption. Adopt Together helps turn crowds into communities by providing a space for adoptive families to share their story and collect tax-deductible donations from their entire support network. In just five years, they have helped over 2,300 families raise more than $10 million to fund their adoptions. If you're considering adoption, go to AdoptTogether.org to check out some of their family profiles and hear Adopt Together CEO and founder, Hank Fortner, talk about how he uses the internet to build families. Hi, Glenna. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great, too. I'm really glad that you're here today and would love to begin this interview by just having a, a little introduction to you and your family. Okay, great. Um, well, I am a pastor's wife. My husband, William, and I will celebrate our, oh, let me think, 14th anniversary this summer. And we've been in full-time pastoral ministry in Southeast Missouri for the past 12 years. Um he is, he's the full-time senior pastor at our church and we have two boys, Isaiah, who's almost nine and Ian, who's almost two. And, uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, not the age gap that we had planned. So they are, they are both adopted and they are wonderful and exhausting and <laughs> everything I ever wanted and everything I did not expect. So, um, they keep me very busy. I am get to stay home with my youngest. My oldest is in school, uh, but I also teach piano lessons out of home, out of my house. And um, in my spare time, I write and I'm a musician. And so I think that probably about covers it. Yeah, well, you are a very gifted writer and a very gifted musician, and I want to share more about your recent music project towards the end of this interview. Yeah. Um, but this interview is going to be focused a little bit around the essay that you shared with the Kindred Mom community. It was called Simplicity and Front Doors uh, from March when we were kind of going through the um series about hospitality and you shared this essay kind of about uh, your experience hosting people at your house in the midst of uh, your motherhood season where there's just it's it's a simple operation you know you have people (laughs) over and it's kind of everything you can do to just have a hospitable place for people to land and I loved your thoughts in this essay and would love for you to talk a little bit more about uh, your desire and hope and, um, you know, process in inviting people into your home. 
Yeah. Um, I started thinking more deeply about hospitality, um, a couple of years ago, being a pastor's wife, hospitality and opening our home really is just part of our ministry. However, I am an introvert to the nth degree and I would prefer to always be at home with my family and, you know, really to only have my home filled with people on my terms when everything is at its best. And I used to have people over only if things were kind of perfect. So my house was spotless. Uh, the meal was something really nice to be, um, you know, kind of celebrated something I worked really hard on, but it was such a stressful experience and I, I, I dreaded it and I couldn't do anything at a moment's notice for sure. I mean, I would panic if someone called and said they needed to stop by and that's just really at odds with the way that our lifestyle and ministry should be. And it seemed that my understanding of hospitality was so much about me. It was so much about how I wanted to appear to the people who came into my home. And I felt like the Lord was uh, showing me that it was not about me. I was reading a passage in Romans um, chapter 12, I believe, where Paul talks about um, showing hospitality, very specifically talks about showing hospitality to one another. And he uses this term, show family affection. And I just thought if I could attach that term to whoever comes into my home, then I am setting the stage for a very comfortable environment that does not have anything to do with perfection and fancy meals and a spotlessly clean house. And you know, once my youngest son came along, it just wasn't possible to do those things. I just, I couldn't do it well. And the old me would have said, well, if I can't do it well, I'm not going to do it at all. But that's just, you know, not being good at something doesn't mean that I get to opt out. And so, especially in an area like this, and where I feel that it's part of our calling as believers to open our home. And so when it came down to it, the things that mattered the most were can I just be kind? Can I just open my door and just, this is who we are. And, um, I, I remember I had visited a friend whose house was a disaster. She has four kids and there were toys everywhere, dishes in the sink. But when we walked in the door, her attention was just solely focused on us. And she fixed a very simple, but wonderful dinner and just the whole time we were there, her attention was focused on us. And I thought, why does, why am I not bothered by the mess that her house is in? And yet I feel so unbelievably welcome. And it was such a teaching moment for me to watch her be okay with her mess. She has four kids, you know, like that's just her life, all boys actually. And so, you know, if there's Legos everywhere, it's not a big deal. It, she, and I asked her about it and she told me, you know, I just, I want my house to be a place where, you know, a two-year-old can wander around and I don't have to say no, no, no the whole time, but then an adult can come in and sit on the couch and feel welcome. And I just, it, it, just, it has stayed with me. That conversation happened a long time ago, but it stayed with me. And I, I stopped apologizing to people for whatever the mess in my house is. It's just where we are. I'm a mom and I have kids and they know that people know that. And they have much lower expectations than I have for myself.
And so um, I just, it's been a learning experience. People who know me well know that hospitality is not my gift for sure. For sure. It's not my gift, but um, I've had to practice it and work at it and it's gotten a lot easier and it's become something I enjoy a lot more than I used to. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I think that hospitality is also something that is not my gift, but I um, have a couple of good friends who are really great at it, and I feel like I'm always picking up little tidbits from them about how to make things welcoming, which, you know, sometimes we focus on the the things that we feel like are a reflection of us and in my case, my tidiness around my home. Mm-hmm. I have six kids, so I totally mm-hmm. resonate with everything you're saying about your friend. I feel like even if I spend hours in a day trying to pull things together and put things away and organize and clean up and all that stuff, that by the time people get to my house, like it really looks like I, I barely tried. <laughs> and so it's been a very humbling experience for me to kind of get through the the prideful part of just wanting to be seen a certain way or have something uh, to offer that is just not there to offer. Like I don't have a beautifully curated spotless home to offer. <laughs> I have a well-lived in, you know, um, much loved furniture and, um, and that's what I have to offer. But I do have these other gestures of kindness uh, that I have, I feel like I've from these other friends of mine have learned that just having food available, whatever it is, is really a gift to people, especially if they're showing up for an evening event, you know, because they have been working late and they've come straight from work and they haven't had anything to eat or, you know, whatever their situation might be to have something to first satisfy their hunger, satisfy their thirst and just have my attention go such a long way. I I totally agree. We spent the last year hosting a small group from our church in our home on a weekly basis. And so I would have anywhere from 10 to 15 people on a Wednesday night and I would cook a very simple meal. And it just, it was so interesting to me how far the gesture of just having food on the table, how far that goes for people when they're coming in from work. And I found that it really cultivated um, an environment where people felt comfortable to talk because we used to host our small group and it was, you know, about 7 PM and we've just met for kind of our study and prayer time and attendance was spotty and people struggled to show up. And once we moved it to become a meal, um, our attendance doubled easily, probably more than doubled. And the kind of sharing and, um, authentic uh, authenticity that came up around the table kind of blew me away. And I thought it's because we're eating. It's not For because sure. we're eating. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a fancy meal. I mean, I usually fix like spaghetti or tacos or something simple, but it's because we were eating. There's just an act of, um, you know, just closeness that comes from sharing a meal together. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that too. And seeing how people open up when their immediate basic needs are filled. You know, they have so much to share when they're not like, oh, I need to get home to get dinner on or (laughs) things like that. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also loved there was a line in your essay where you talked about um, your attitude being the hinge, sometimes Mm -hmm. resistant, sometimes um, it's something that your 
attitude being the, the hinge that opens your front door. And I really yeah. loved that imagery because it's, um, you know, it's one thing to talk about hospitality in very general kind of distant terms. And it's another thing to actually open your front door that has a right. hinge and right. you welcome people into a space that feels kind of vulnerable when we are, we are there in the mess and chaos of our families. And so I just appreciated that that line that you shared. Thanks. Um, it's funny because I actually have this really heavy wooden front door with these big brass hinges. We live in a really old house and it's big, heavy door. And um, I, that door always sticks in my mind when I think about hospitality because it is the act of opening your door is um, can be done in, with kindness, or it can be done with resistance, and people know people know the difference. And I mean, I think what matters the most when I'm showing hospitality is not what I serve or what kind of dishes I serve the food on, or how long people can stay, or how clean my house is. I mean, what it is is how how is my attitude in welcoming them in it's, it's an act, it's an act of self-sacrifice for me. Cause I am someone who really treasures my time at home alone with my family. And that's very like recharging for me because I am introverted. So I sometimes open that front door with a big deep breath, knowing that the noise overload and the chaos that's about to happen, um, it's going to be draining, but yeah, as a believer, I am always called to consider the needs of others ahead of my own. And so, and you know what, I never regret it. I never regret it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also interesting to note, at least when I have in the past really invited people into my home, some of the time I'm really focused on, I need to entertain them. I need to make sure they're having a great time. I need to do all these things that I'm, I'm just not gifted at, if I'm really <laughs> right. honest. But a listening ear is mm-hmm. something that is incredibly powerful in someone's life, especially if they're going through something or they just are wanting to process or someone to talk to. And um, I have noticed that that is a value of yours just through the other things that you have written um, that I have read. And um, I just appreciate the attentiveness with which you consider people and where they're coming from as they come into your home. Well, I appreciate that. And I think that you know, when people are going through hard times and trials and suffering, um, having someone just sit and be with you, kind of the ministry of presence, I think mm-hmm. that's one of the greatest gifts you can give to someone is that listening ear that you just described. Yeah. And I think that can minister to someone more than making sure they're entertained or serving them an elaborate right. meal. You know. Well, it takes the pressure off of like having to be amazing for the people who are coming <laughs> over, right. because sometimes we're just not amazing. We're we're there, we're present, That's and right. we have, you know, we have a space to welcome them into and some food to offer them. But we don't have a lot more than that. And recognizing that our attentiveness is a gift and it is enough when we are being hospitable. I think that's um, just good to to know that I feel like that it takes the pressure off of me at least <laughs> to know yeah. I don't have to. Oh yeah, I agree. And I think we can overcomplicate hospitality and make it more than it really needs to be. And I think if I can hold on to that term from Romans 12, just show family affection to people, it really does take the pressure off and it just, it, it makes things feel like okay, this, I'm setting up an environment where we're just going to treat one another like family, no matter who you are, you're going to, 
you're going to sit at my table like you belong here. And, and I think that that seems welcoming to me. Yes, it does. Well, I'll come to your table anytime if I ever am close enough to your house (laughs) to to pop in. (laughs) And I will not apologize for the mess. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I also wanted to share about the music album that you released recently. And um, I would love for you to just begin telling us a little bit about that and where uh, you were at personally as you wrote the songs on that album. And I've just been so excited to see that project unfold and be released these last few weeks. Yeah, so I have been a musician for about as long as I can remember. I was one of those kids who took piano lessons at the age of seven all the way through high school and really hated it, just Mm -hmm. hated it with a passion. Um, When I finally quit, I realized that I could play by ear. And so I think I started writing songs when I was about 16, and they were terribly awkward and (laughs) embarrassing and we'll never see the light of day, but um, I've been writing songs since then. And my husband and I actually recorded an album together a few years back and um, we were in the process of adopting. And so it was like a fundraiser project that we did and he did all of the recording and mixing and mastering and it was fun and we really enjoyed it. He is a musician as well. And um, he wrote half the songs and I wrote the other half. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, But since we did that, it, it kind of let both of us know that I wanted to go down the path and produce some more music. And I was always writing songs, but most of them not really being heard. I mean, I played them at church, you know, for a church family from time to time, but most of the time they were kept in my living room with me and my piano. And, um, so we, a couple of years ago, it's actually been about two years. We started the process of meeting with a freelance producer who was a, an acquaintance and, um, just in a kind of an unusual process, he offered to do it for us and kind of freelance. So we didn't have to go into a studio. And so, um, which was a lot more cost effective for a freelance project. And so, um, I just picked, uh, about six songs and we started recording and it took a long time cause we did adopt a child during that time period. And, so it was a, a, sl- a much slower process than we had anticipated. But um, the songs are all, um, they kind of follow a theme. The album is called Hold Me Fast. And a lot of the songs focus on trusting God when circumstances are difficult. I would say that's probably the theme of the album, if I could pick a theme. Um, and I have had, um, a few hard years in my life where I wrote a lot of music and, um, I have some chronic illnesses and I dealt for a long time with real debilitating pain for about five years. Um, and that's actually, it was during that time that I wrote the title track, um, hold me fast. And I, um, I think the fourth there, the fifth track on the album is called I'll Never Let You Go. It's a song that deals with worry. And um, there's another song about, um, at the end, I think it's the last, yeah, the last track where trusting that the Lord is our anchor. He is our anchor in times of trial and we're uncertain. And so that's kind of the, the theme that runs through the album is trusting the steadfast love of the Lord when circumstances are difficult. And, um, about the time that I was going through a lot of my health issues, we were walking through our second son's adoption, which 
quickly began to unravel almost as soon as it started. And it's a really long, complicated story that I can't really get into or we'd be here all night. (laughs) But suffice it to say, it was some of the, well, definitely the most difficult um, days in my life to date. I mean, most challenging days to my faith. I had to get up in the morning and ask myself every morning, do I still believe that God is good in this? Do I still believe that he is faithful to me? If, if all of this just falls apart the way that it sure looks like it's going to, you know, can I still hold on to a steadfast love? And what I learned through that process is that I didn't so much have to worry about holding on to him because he made it so abundantly clear to me that he was holding on to me. And that's where most of my music comes from. And I find that sharing songs from places of pain have such a capacity to minister to people because there are so many hurting people in the world. And so I consider it a gift to have walked through some amount of suffering if it can be used to encourage others. Yeah, so that's that's my heart behind my album anyway. It's just I want it to be an encouragement to people to know that the Lord loves them in the midst of pain and he is he is with them. Um, that was probably the thing I learned so clearly is that he was with me holding on to me. And so, uh, yeah, it was a great, it was fun to release the album. It's been out almost a month. And so it's been exciting to put it out and hear people kind of hear their feedback to know that it's encouraging to them. It's worth, worth doing the whole thing for sure. Yeah. I think it's really lovely when, um, women who are in that mothering season where that your children are still, young and really dependent on you, you are doing this creative work that is in the midst of your mothering. I just mm-hmm. find it really inspiring because I, I from, from my own journey, have had different seasons where some where I kind of put my creative uh, work on the shelf because what mothering required of me at that time was just too, too much to try to do both. And yet I feel like God in his kindness has brought those opportunities back around, but it really takes some courage to, um, put your art out there, to to put your music out there. And, um, especially when, you know, we have all of these other things tugging for our attention. And, um, so I just, I've been really inspired to see this project of yours come together. And I really love the songs. I've listened to it quite a few times in the last month. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, I'm really hoping that people who hear this episode will go check it out because it's just very encouraging. Um, and I haven't, I haven't shared this with many people, but I also did a fair amount of songwriting when I was younger and I cut an album with my college uh, roommate and it's not one that I will be sharing with people (laughs) because it's, you know, one of those things where I'm like, it was wonderful at the time, but it's just not what I feel like reflects where my heart is at now. So, um, I'm just hoping that one day I'll get to do that process again. It's been really, um, fun to see yours come together because I'm like oh I'm cheering for you because I love (laughs) the whole process of seeing like an idea for a song become something that you didn't realize at the beginning was going to be as connected and meaningful to not only your own experience but someone else's as well so oh yeah yeah that's funny I had um we I think back when I was in college maybe when I was 20 I started to record an album with someone who was helping me do it and I I ended up not finishing it and it's such a good 
thing because, oh, the songs. I mean, I was just really immature. <laughs> Maybe that was the same thing that you were dealing with, but I was, yes. you know, right? I was recording original music and I don't really know if I said anything at all that mattered. And so um, I'm, it was weird to do this project at 35 because I feel a little old to be trying to get into any kind of music um, part of the world. But I, I don't think I would have had a whole lot to say 10 years ago, even. Yeah. <laughs> and so I well, needed I a little life experience. Exactly. The music that we recorded, it's very sweet and special in its own ways. It's definitely reflective of where I was at in my life at that time. But I think my own motivation for the project that we did when I was in college was I really was desperately trying to like be important through the, uh, yeah. the things that I produced and created. And um, my years of mothering since then, because I graduated from college and then got married that same year and then had my first baby a year after that. So it was kind of a really quick transition from (laughs) college life to now you're a mother. And um, so I, I think that in the the years since then, I have just recognized that um, I don't have to prove anything. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I don't have to do creative things or produce work in order to, um, be valuable, which has been part of the interesting journey with Kindred Mom and how that has come together is I am so committed to this project and I love it, but I love it more because it allows me an opportunity to um, just give people a glimpse into other women's lives mm-hmm. and other things that they have learned and experienced. And I, I just love that I no longer feel like I have something to prove <laughs> in such a, like, I don't know. It was just it was an interesting time of life in college, wanting to to make my mark in the world. And now I'm like a lot more focused on. I want to have a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. I want to do things that are meaningful. And um, I think the music that I would create at this point, if I have an opportunity to do that again, would be a lot more meaningful and a, a little sure. less. Here's my show. <laughs> oh, I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. That resonates with me. Well, I so appreciate you sharing with us, and I would love to give you an opportunity for probably two things. One, um, if you wanted to say anything to a mama who wants to have a hospitable home and welcome people in, something that she can do um, to make that easier on herself uh, or a charge in that respect, and also to the mama who maybe has a heart to do some creative work um, and doesn't know how to do that in the season that she's in either or both of those. I'd love for you to just speak to her. Sure. Yeah. I think I could address both really quickly. So the first one for someone who's wanting to open their home, maybe in their seat in a season where they have young children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned this in my essay, but simplicity really does go a long way. I mean, I know it's not green, but paper plates are such mm-hmm. a gift. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, I loved it when people would leave my house on those Wednesday nights and all I had to do was take out the trash and sweep up. I mean, it's, it was so freeing because I also had bedtime routines after people left. I had kids that had been up too late who needed to go to bed. And so, I mean, paper products are helpful. Keep your menu really simple. Have people bring side dishes. Like, you don't have to do it all. And then re- remember to keep that attitude gracious. And, and I think take the focus off. Like you're showing hospitality is not a reflection. You're not proving who you are as a housekeeper or a homemaker or a chef. 
just be kind and open the door and, uh, don't apologize for the mess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and then I think I would say to someone who's wanting to try to find some time to use their creativity. Um, I had a lot of years where I didn't use it as much. I mean, there were just times in my life where it just wasn't feasible. Um, and, and it was good that I waited. Um, now I feel like I do things, uh, I've talked about this in other writing circles. I do things in the cracks for sure. Like I take all small amounts of time where I have it. I mean, I write music with my one-year-old climbing all over me on the piano and it's not easy. Um, but you know, I, he's used to it. I actually have a video of us up somewhere, me playing the piano and him climbing and hamming it up and it's super cute. And it's a, it's something I treasure because he's only going to be little for such a short amount of time. Um, and then nap time, I, I is strictly reserved for creative work and I try not to do anything else during nap time. And, it's hard. I have to sacrifice some things, um, in order to make that happen. Um, but if it's important to you, I think you have to almost treat it like work and kind of, yeah, like make, make it a non-negotiable for yourself. And it will feel weird at first. And you feel like you have to apologize to your family or to friends or whoever might occupy that time. But, um, as you, you know, dedicate that time to your creative work, it will become an ingrained part of your day that you, you really won't want to miss. Yeah. I was going to say, I yeah. use paper plates just in my everyday life when I have there a season go. that I need to do other things besides mm-hmm. wash dishes. <laughs> I am with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful for what you've shared. And can you just tell us where people can find you? Sure. I have, I'm all over social media. Um, on Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash Glennon Marshall or facebook.com slash Glennon Marshall music. Um, I have kind of a writer page and a musician page. And then, um, my website is just glennonmarshall.com. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Glenna D Marshall. Awesome. Well, I hope people will, I hope people will search you out and, listen to your music and thank you so much for sharing with us today well thanks for having me here is a 30 second clip of the song that glenna mentioned in her interview i will be back just after it with a few more thoughts for Glenna's thoughts on both of these topics, hospitality and creative work as a mom. One thing I mentioned in the interview that I wanted to say a few more things about is the idea that creativity is a life-giving and soul-filling part of keeping ourselves afloat in this season of motherhood that sometimes can feel mundane and unglamorous. It could be music, sewing, decorating, or arranging a bouquet of flowers on your table. Whatever it is for you, I think it's important to find ways to bring beauty into the season that we're in to do creative things, even if it's in the cracks of life, which might be all the time we have available. 
When I talked about the difference between doing something because I wanted to feel important in contrast to doing something because it's meaningful to me, no one can make that judgment from the outside, but I do think it's worthwhile to evaluate for ourselves. Am I doing this task because I'm afraid that if I don't, I won't be able to demonstrate my competence or my value? Or am I doing what is in front of me because it matters to me, because it's purposeful, because it brings me joy? Mamas, you are valuable and you don't have to prove it to anyone. You can do creative work or any work without adding pressure to win the approval of others. You can also put your creative work on the shelf for a time and it will come back around. These years are short and one day we will look up and see that the landscape of our lives are different than the all-consuming little years. As it relates to hospitality, I want to invite you to open your door, not because you should, but because building relationships with others is important and purposeful and life-giving. One of the greatest gifts you can give to others is your attention. Maybe you feel like you don't have a lot to give, but like Glenna said, sometimes that's because we overcomplicate things. It's wonderful when we are on the receiving end of hospitality, but it's so easy for, to forget that we are all capable of reaching out to someone else, of being the one who will take the initiative and open our front door. I'd like to share a closing prayer offered by kindred mama, Lindsay Cornett. Lindsay writes a monthly newsletter with a friend called The Drafting Desk, which explores ways perfectionists can take hold of more freedom, joy, and grace. She prays, Mamas, may we open the doors of our homes a bit wider, pull another chair up to the table, and leave the undone chores for another time. May other people feel welcomed by us more than they feel impressed by us. And may our homes be places where the lost and lonely find a place to belong.